RTI Time Machine. Today's time traveler is John Van Trieste. And the destination, the early 20th century. In the early 20th century, Taiwanese photography came into its own. The photographers of the age came from different walks of life. Photographers, to be sure, but also doctors and camera shop owners. Their subject matter varied widely too, from indigenous villages and temple fairs to logging camps and intimate portraits. But together, from the turn of the century to just past the end of World War II, they picked up cameras and captured the Taiwan they saw around them. In Taiwan, this was an age before photographic film. The medium these photographers worked in was dry glass plates. The National Taiwan Museum is showcasing works by nine of Taiwan's dry glass plate photographers in an ongoing exhibit called "The Mirror of Time." Last week, the exhibit's curator Zhang Changsong introduced us to the life and work of five of these artists. This week, he's back again to introduce us to the rest. He'll also tell us about just how lucky we are to have these photos still with us today. We left off last week in the 1920s and 30s, during a period when Taiwan was ruled as a Japanese colony. This colonial period was the time when the dry glass plate technique first came to Taiwan. Many Taiwanese photographers had apprenticed in Japanese-run studios across Taiwan or at the Tokyo Photography Academy in Japan proper. Our first photographer for today is Fang Qingmian, who was among those who learned his craft under a Japanese teacher. In his case, this was Usui Izumi. In 1927, Izumi urged Fang to head to Jiayi in southern Taiwan and set up shop there. Jiayi was a place with a big potential for photography. Fang set up his studio in town. In a place with a good view of Yushan, Taiwan's highest peak. Each spring, the mountains around Yushan would be covered in cherry blossoms, and come summertime, recently graduated students would flock to the mountains for a bit of fun. With so much to take pictures of in the mountains, Fang ended up spending months at a time working among them. One of his photos in this exhibit shows him and the manager of a mountain villa. They stand atop Yushan's peak in 1930. The photo has a majestic quality. They both strike regal poses and wear smart clothes. But they're also standing with a marker, letting the viewer know that this is the highest point in the Japanese Empire. The sky in the background looks clear and vast. Another photo he took on Yushan around a decade later also stands out. It shows a youth group on a climb. And the way the shadows fall, combined with the tiny scale of the climbers against the massive mountain, make the photo look hardly real at all. Fang also photographed the indigenous peoples of Jiayi's mountains, scenes of mountain logging, and street scenes from Jiayi City back down on the plains below. Aside from mountain scenes, perhaps his most famous works were photos taken of the legendary Kano baseball team, a Jiayi vocational high school team that hit the big time in Japan. 当年在大道城开设摄影器材。From high school on, Dong Nanguang was educated in Japan. He became enamored with photography during his years there. He started joining photographic societies and entering contests as far away as Shanghai, where he got tenth place in a 1934 competition. 
Unlike the other photographers in this exhibition, Deng made his living by selling photography equipment from a store he opened in Taipei. His photographs here include a series shot in the early 1930s. They feature his hometown in Xinju, northern Taiwan. They show street scenes as well as his family and friends. Hong Kong Da was an obstetrician and gynecologist who helped deliver over 13,000 babies during a long career. He outlived the rest of the photographers in this exhibit by decades, passing away in 2012 at the age of 100. For him, photography was stress relieving, but he was far more dedicated to it than most amateurs. After World War II, he'd go on to crack the code of making color photographs at a time when color film was still unavailable in Taiwan. Hong's photos in this exhibit are a mixed bag, featuring a medical student at a microscope, an old-fashioned bus stopped because of a flat tire, pictures of his relatives, a family at work tailoring in a home factory, a photo of himself gearing up for a game of ping-pong, and a 1938 send-off of a Japanese soldier to war. The final photographer in this exhibit, Wu Jingmiao, started out as a skilled drawer of portraits. He later turned to photography and set up a studio in 1935. Many of his photos document this period of history. There are send-offs to war, a female local defense squad, a celebration for the fall of Singapore, buildings left gutted by air raids, and eventually, at war's end, a handover ceremony, as the Republic of China took control of Taiwan from Japan. But Wu took many other kinds of photos, too, and this exhibit features photos that are a bit quieter. There's a young woman in a sun hat. There's a picture of honeymooners. There are young telephone operators and some local Hakka customs of Wu's hometown in Yangmei, Taoyuan. Though many pre-war photographers continued working long after the war, it's Wu's photos that take us into this new post-war era. In one 1945 photo, the new Republic of China flag hangs at a school. And a 1949 sheet of photos shows how he mass-produced photos needed for the new national ID cards, saving people from having to wait in long lines. Instead of taking individual portraits, he got his customers to sit in long rows, taking a wide shot of them all and chopping them into individual ID-sized portraits once the photos developed. Through the years, many of the photos in this exhibit have come close to destruction. Allied air raids during World War II, when Taiwan was still under Japanese rule, did destroy many photographs like these. Some photographers and their families went to great lengths to save what they could. Zhang Qingyan, a photographer we heard about last week, died before the war. His widow loved him so much, though, that once air raids began, she hired an ox cart to get his glass plates to safety in another town. Many were eventually lost anyway, but luckily, around 200 survived. Meanwhile, the photos of Wu Jingmiao, who we just heard about, were taken to safety during the war by a younger brother and a cousin. What the war didn't carry away, resource shortages often did. Uh, 
A wartime need for silver led to the destruction of many photo plates for their silver content. Meanwhile, glass shortages, even after the war, saw many plates stripped of their images and turned into window panes. Poor storage conditions are a threat that still continues. The plates need highly specific conditions to stay intact. Of course, the photos in this exhibit are in safe hands. But many lost or neglected plates may still be out there. Hundreds of photos by Lin Cao, a photographer we met last week, were discovered completely by chance. They were found inside the same upper-class residence where they'd been taken. If it hadn't been for a survey team sent ahead of a restoration project, they might still be there now, decaying away. Mr. Zhang says finding plates like these before they deteriorate is a race against time. Fortunately, the National Taiwan Museum, the same museum behind this exhibit, is setting up a home for photos like these. This is the National Center of Photography, which may be ready as soon as next year. Inside, the museum's current collection of dry glass plates and any new works that may turn up can be properly cared for, saving half a century of Taiwanese images for Taiwan's future generations. I'm John Van Trieste, and I hope you'll join me again next week for another journey through time. You're listening to Radio Taiwan International. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw.